Hello and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, the podcast all about board games, board games, and the people who love board games. On today's episode, I, Matt Lees, am joined by Tom Brewster. Hello, my name is Tom Brewster and I'm here on a podcast to talk about board games. And guess what we're doing today? We are mopping up something boring. That's right, we've <laughs> spilled it all over the floor, the UK Games Expo. It's, it's but a, a blip in the distance behind us, a star on the horizon just about to blink out of existence mm. because it occurred maybe, I don't know, three weeks ago. <laughs> and so because of that, we've got a couple of games we played during that that we're going to talk about for you today. And we've saved them to last because... On paper, they don't sound very interesting or exciting, but, spoilers, they're both very good. They're both very, very good. good. So we're just going to be gently wiping away the last of this beige residue that we've not uh, dealt with for your pleasure. And we hope that you enjoy the podcast and go on to enjoy some of these games. So the two games we're going to talk about today are... Drum roll. Drum. Drum. The, it's, it's, a, it's an imaginary drum roll. No, Tom, it's an imaginary drum roll. You have to just imagine it. The audience just has to imagine it. Can't find the drums. Then, we don't have any drums, Tom. It's okay, like a, okay. it's a, it's a matter of phrase, and then you just say what we're we're playing. On this podcast, we're gonna drum roll. Uh, shoot, no, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna talk about villagers, a game about huh, taking a few villagers and making a village. It takes a people to make a. Oh God, oh. you can't make then a village without breaking a few legs. people. <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about. Acropolis, a game about building mm. a little hexagonal city that's going to raise up in front of you like a beautiful gem in Greece. Yeah, so they're both they're both like place builders, right? But one place of them building is games. 100% about the people in the places, yep. whereas the other one is 100% about the geography the of the places. Or the geography. And the cardboard. Yes, and then at the end of the podcast, we're going to have a very brief little couple of words to say about Rush Out which was the video review you can watch www.shutupandsitdown.com this week. It's such a good board game. Yeah. I love it. We were playing it just to make some B-roll and we weren't even playing it. We were just playing half of the game without the other player there and we were just having fun just doing that. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. I love we're it. so easily entertained. First up on this podcast, we're going to talk about villagers. This is the first in a sort of impromptu trilogy from sinister fish games we got villagers then we got streets then we got moon which obviously makes sense <laughs> the progression sort of three act the traditional progression, progression, three act progression. <laughs> you've got to fill in quite a few gaps in the story between streets and moon i think yeah it kind of makes sense but it implies that like villages don't have streets i feel like it does make sense but only in the context of it being like a child writing about the history of like, you know, uh, history of, of humankind from medieval yes. ages to modern day. And they just got quite bored towards the end. <laughs> you know, it's like... And then they had streets well, and then they had shops and then they went to that movie. Yeah, it's like there was a feudal <laughs> system and then there was capitalism and then there was space. <laughs> it's like there was some I other mean, stuff in between, but I don't want to go into it. All right. I just can't yeah. be bothered. It's very optimistic, though. I'll give them that. It's very optimistic. We're not going to go into it. We're just going to straight up talk about villagers because it's been ages since I played streets and I didn't get a chance to play Moon. Aww. So... Villagers. It's villagers all the way down. Mm -hmm. um, we sort of slightly passed over this game a little bit because I think I did a shucks. Well, I know I did a shucks preview for it and streets ages ago, and we just didn't cover it mm. afterwards because that would have been wrong. Question mark. I mean, that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer for to that. another day. I kind of do, but it's 
it's it's pickly, that's for sure. But anyway, it's, um, a, it's, it's a good game, and for whatever reason, we just sort of forgot to cover it afterwards. I don't think it is wrong, actually. I'm just going to open up a, a tiny off-brand Pompidou and say that, you know, like I reviewed Furnace <laughs> after we'd done the preview of it, but I... In that yeah. instance, I'd already played the game and knew it was good and was going to cover it anyway, so I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, Villagers, I'm just going to come out and say it. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a really like nice and simple little kind of tableau builder game where you've got... Where you've got... You've got your tableau, you've got, you got your chairs got all, your tableau, and you've got you your got friends it. all. <laughs> and you had to play a game all. Yeah. It's basically it's people, isn't it? It's not a village is made of people is the thing that people exactly. forget sometimes, right? So yeah. you're not making a village, you're making a community of Yo. workers for the purposes of uh, feudal capitalism. That's basically yeah. The did game, you right? know as well that there's a um, the thematic backbone to this game is that it's after the plague and like a lot of people are dead. And you're like creating a civilization from the ashes, which the quite like buoyant and fluffy art doesn't really make it look like that. But it's fine. It's fun. Basically, the way this game works is you and your friends sat on a table playing a little card drafting tableau building game. We are trying to assemble a little village of people and you're going to get them to crank out as much money as possible. Because at the end of the game, the person with the most money... What could be more wins. natural? What could be more natural? Yeah, and I kept saying Follow. feudal, but it's really not. Like, it's beyond that. Like, there's a quite a, a deep level of of engineering and um, job craft within this. I think, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. this. I like this game immediately because it's so gritty about oldie jobs with, a, you know, a capital O, capital E at the end. In the way that, you know, in the way that Final Fantasy Tactics games are great because you can be like 18 different types of wizard. In this, it's yeah. like you've got lots of different people just involved in different leatherwork practices. Um, <laughs> you can make wine. One of the cards is just called Grapes, which is odd. <laughs> That's on the most back of the, the card. Most of the That's other on ones. the back of the cards. Okay. I thought that most of the cards were like humans and then one of them just said grapes. <laughs> you might have been quite confused. I might have been quite tired. We, we played this point, at the end yeah. of UK Games Expo at the very end, at the point where reality has oh, fully yeah. blended with time and the walls and nothing is quite as it seems. But yeah. I um, absolutely smashed this game. As I'm just going to come out and say it. We played a lot of games at UK Games Expo, and for whatever reason, I just smashed most of them. I don't usually win yeah. board games. But for whatever reason, I won almost all of the games we played at UK Games Expo. Yeah. You were infused with the power of board games for that weekend. Yes. I was touched by the blessings of the Dice Lords, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> but I think that the strategy in this game was fantastic because effectively what you had to do was you had to build out these tableaus by making almost pyramids, right? Of like using the core of the industry to then support a couple of little cottage industries off of the bottom of it and having these things kind of spawn more and more things, right? Yeah. Is you're making little production chains. You're drafting cards to go into a tableau in front of you from this central river, and you build out a little miniature production chain. And those will start, like, you'll have a lumberjack, and the lumberjack can support two cards. And that second card could be, like, uh, what do you call someone who, like, makes planks? A plank maker. A planker. There we go. 
a planker. You can have a you master have planker. planker um, a master planker, and your master planker will give planks to your barrel builder. The who Cooper. Will then build barrels. The Cooper. The Cooper. Mm. I remember the Cooper. Mm. And when you get to the end of those production chains, that's where the big points are. So you're trying to draft those, sort of optimistically draft the ends of the production chain, yes. so you can then fill them out in reverse, kind of. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I, you know, I think I got a jeweler quite early in the game. Very confident mm. that I would at some point manage to find somebody to mine the jewels. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, it was like, <laughs> I'd hire this guy being like, we're going to make jewelry. And they'd be like, cool, do you yeah. have any gemstones? Not yet. But <laughs> if I can get all of the infrastructure for that, then yes. If I can find myself just a single spelunker, then we're fine. <laughs> if I build a mine, find a spelunker, get someone to roughen up these jewels. So... The fun thing about this was we had this joint shop of things every round where we could be going, okay, in turn order, I can support this many new villagers by having food from other cards. And it means you could basically be snaffling up um, quite a lot of the available employees. Employees, I mean, they're, they're humans, but <laughs> this game did definitely have a more capitalist tack than I think perhaps the world did at that point. But anyway. Yes. If you didn't get to grab things from that visible shop of here are the things, then you had these different piles that you could be taking off the top of them. You could be top decking from these different piles. But the fun thing about that was you could see the types of things from the backs of the cards, which I thought was a really neat trick in the fact that you could choose to take off any of these decks, right? Yes. Yeah. But in digging through them, you would also sometimes, when discarding things, be putting things back on top of decks. So you could be purposefully covering up things that you knew other people might want you could be snaffling away the things that you knew other people might need and also it had a little touch of arboretum in it i felt of you knew that there were for example the jeweler is a good example you knew that there weren't many of those in the whole deck and they might not all come out so you could see from across the table somebody else might be desperately trying to find a card that you might have in your hand yeah. and knowing that was just very pleasing and there's a little wrinkle as well where the only way you can get the beginnings of those production chains is by discarding a card from your hand. So you have to be selective about what you're going to put back on top of those decks because mm. that's where you discard the cards uh, to make sure you're not giving away something that's really good for someone else. But there's a nice little trick you can do where if you sort of have a card that you want to pick back up later and you're last in the turn order, you can just slot it on top of a deck that's quite far away and try and make sure that no one else takes it so you've got that card kind of banked to then pick up later on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of lovely little touches in this game and we should briefly talk about the very sort of strange system that sits on top of it all which is the system of unlocking mm. where throughout the game you have these cards that have a little number on them that shows how many other cards they'll unlock and basically what this means is if you have a blacksmith they'll unlock 10 different cards and you find those 10 different cards throughout the deck and they will say if you want to play this card, you have to pay two money to whoever owns a blacksmith around the table. You take your two money, you put it on their blacksmith. And that sounds nice and simple. You just have to pay the other person some cash. But the thing that's really interesting is that that isn't just two money that goes into their bank. It sits on the card and becomes income for that card when you score in the two little scoring phases in the game. So if a bunch of players are using your blacksmith and you pile up 20 money, if you manage to, I mean, it'd be crazy if you'd managed to get that much money. It would be, it'd be yeah, deranged. Like 20 people Whoa. playing the game. What, 10? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. If you Don't get, get your hopes a bunch up of about, money. Honestly, too many people quit their jobs, sell their assets and, and dream yeah. of making it rich as a blacksmith. And I'm just going to say to you, just think carefully about that. Talk to a bank Give manager. up your dreams of becoming a blacksmith. It's not going to happen. It's time to give up on your dreams. Mm -hmm. 
But if you manage to get a load of money on your little blacksmith card before the first little scoring phase, you're going to get that paying out twice yeah, before the end of the game. Oh, lovely. Absolutely There's a lot of really laughing. nice little touches in this game. And you know how we often talk about games being um, brittle, where if you, you know, mess something up, it makes the whole game completely void. Matt, I'm pleased to report that Villages is not a brittle game because I've played it again and we did mess it up. We got it wrong. Games. We got something wrong. We didn't get it fundamentally wrong in a way that, I mean, we kind of did, but kind of didn't. It wasn't like one big rule that it's changed the It's not like the, the game Solitaire game. or Snap. And like yeah. We just sort of, we just <laughs> yeah, sort of exactly. had a fugue state that meant we dreamed up a game that didn't exist. <laughs> Which, at the last day of a con, I feel like that could happen. That could definitely happen, for sure. It's actually one of those things that isn't that important. It wasn't fundamental to the game itself. It's just one tiny thing we missed, which is at the start of the game, you draw a hand of five cards, which I think is interesting that we still managed to play the game fully without having that hand of five cards because you're always drafting things. Mm. But if you play it with that starting hand, as intended, as the rules tell you, there's a nice touch of having a sort of starting strategy. You, you get to look at your hand. Yeah, assess your direction and go from there. And you have cards that you can burn yeah. to create those little starter trees. I think we played a slightly slower game. We had less time to really spool up because we had to spend that first round basically bidding cards from our hand to start the production chains in a way that wasn't as satisfying. Hmm. So it's good to know that the game is good if you get the rules wrong and even better if you get it right. That's nice. Yeah, that, that the kind of coming <laughs> with a hand that's been ready is, is super. And I did feel like it really accelerated. Once it got going, it was like the game, that makes a lot of sense that we got the, had a slow start than intended because yeah. I felt as soon as we hit a stride with it, the game just went from being like, oh, this game's going to go on for a long time to being like, oh, this game's going to be over any minute because we were just yes. eating up the cards voraciously and creating these horrendously big tableaus. And there's some real weird stuff in that game as well in regards to the scoring, oh, in yeah. regards to like, this one will score based on this. And I was worried that it was going to be a real pain in the ass to, to do the scoring at the end of the game. But surprisingly, mm. I think because it has that system of you just put the coins on the cards and yeah. then keep working out, it meant you... I really liked it as a scoring system because it meant you didn't have to really keep anything in your head you just, you know, you counted up the gold coins that you had on cards at the first scoring phase at the start. And at the end of the game, you just put coins on where you had to. And then you just counted up all of the coins. Yeah. And it's a count up all the coins game. idiot like me, I like that. <laughs> I like that. On the lot. last day of a convention, it was exactly what you needed. It was very pleasing as well. Like, I think that just having that kind of richness of jobs of all of the different sort of things yeah. that, that could potentially be a cottage industry off the back of this thing. Um, it was just a, a fun bit of detail. Coopers. I forgot about Coopers. Used to be an entire and here, and here they are industry. They used to do Cooping all, all over this game. They did it mostly without any measuring. You know, they just get these bits of wood and they just by hand cut them to the right shape, bend them with steam. I mean, real. It took apparently two and a half days to make a single barrel. Wow. Two and a half days. But that that barrel, is barrel facts. I love, I love barrel making, honestly. Podcast. You watch someone making a barrel and you're like, damn, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I want to be a barrel boy. I do. I want to be a tiny barrel boy. There's actually a really juicy little comparison that I completely forgot about here, which is that between this game and Anno 1800, not the video game, the board game of the video game, mm -hmm. which also simulated having these like production chains. You know, you go and you get 
sand and then you steam it and turn it into glass and then you turn the glass into windows and you put the windows on houses and you have these production chains but what's anno 1800 is this huge sprawling euro game that's like quite hard on the old brain box there's something very sort of sweet and gentle and condensed about villages um, where it gives you that idea of creating sort of a little a little tiny people-based engine um that's yeah a little bit a little bit nicer a little bit less uh class-based as anno 1800 <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing I remember it, very vividly it's definitely about that a game. Kind of soft and curvy and cartoony and, and nice and gentle uh, vision of of the past, but it's very yeah, very has pleasing. Weird bug eyes in this game. They Big do. round, circular, scary eyes. The turnip lady. Everyone's got weird Freaky. faces. But I, I liked it. I'd be excited to check out the streets and who knows, maybe the moon. Although maybe one day the moon. I, I mean, the, what is the moon? Do you just like build a tableau of, of different? rocks that are all just sort they're, of gray white rocks <laughs> they're all quite different games i think streets has this system where you're building out not like i think you're building a shared board in streets i can't remember you're building out like actual roads which are tiles that you then have people on that kind of move around to different houses we'll have to revisit that one maybe i definitely read about both of them but i just don't remember and moon seems like quite comfortably different as well i think that's coming out maybe relatively soon might be kickstarted soon but right. yeah no wonder i'm not familiar with the moon it's not here it's yet. It's not real. The it hasn't arrived. Was, the moon was faked in uh, 1969. <laughs> Before that, there wasn't one. And now uh, there is. Thanks for listening to my TED Talk. Thanks, th thanks for coming to the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Acropolis. We've got fun and games. Acropolis is a really abstracty building of a city game for a number of players. I believe two to four, maybe two to five. Two to four. Two to four, two to four sounds right. Maybe uh, even one to four. Maybe even one to four. A lot of games be doing that these days, and I respect that choice. So the way this game works is you all start with a little kind of middle bit of a city, and then you have all of these triangular, like three-pronged hexagon shapes. That's not a good way of describing <laughs> this. What are they called? Like a triscal? Triscoll's technically right, but people don't know Ooh. what they are. It's not I think a Triscoll's interesting. It's the whole game is is made up of little tiny sort of thick cardboard hexagons. Yes. But those hexagons aren't standalone. They're in like groups of three. Yeah, that's a like, good way of putting it. Which is why Matt would say they're triangular. They're sort they're of triangle, like, you know. hexagons. Trangagons. Um Trangagons. So it's like hex based, but you don't have any hex control. It's all little like triangular things that you can twist around to any orientation you like and put down to grow your agropolis 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 <laughs> and effectively what you're trying to do is build up different colors which will then be scored by different colored temples different colored like score popper offers now i'm going to go quite quickly into abstraction here because it's a very abstract game and i'm sure that they are represented by different things but in reality you've got some blue tiles that are kind of watery and then you've got yellow ones that were a type of building green ones that were parks and then some yeah that's colors. the one that's the one to remember i think blue is like housing mm -hmm. red was military yellow was markets purple was theaters yes green was gardens but they very rapidly just became Colours. <laughs> give me more yellows. Give me the colours. <laughs> I would like them. So it has a scoring system, actually, which is almost identical to the system in... Well, similar to the system in King Domino. A very simple game of being like, yes, you can have all of these, you know, yellow buildings around, but unless you've got the things that make them score, 
then it's not worth anything. So what you were trying mm -hmm. to do was in the same manner, meet the criteria for these types of spaces in order to make them score and then times that score by the number of buildings you have that were like the score multipliers for that type. Yep. So you were trying to collect one type of thing or multiple types of things and also collect the scoring things to at the end of the game drum roll score big big points however here is the first of two rubs which when combined are frankly a massage the first thing is these things do not score in the same ways so not only do you have to have lots of these colors they have to be making keeping up their own rules like yellow spaces <laughs> cannot be touching other yellow hexagons so if you want to score your yellows none of those yellow hexagons that you're going to be scoring could be touching another one the red ones have to be on the edge of your acropolis map whereas the purple ones cannot be on the edge they have to be surrounded by other hexagons or that space ain't a scoring and then the blue ones it's your biggest contiguous area of them so you want to have them all touching one another in one big lovely river or pond or lake or whatever and then you've got some green ones that just get you points but there aren't many of them they're quite rare are you going to go for them they're very similar to the coal mines of king dominos but the second <laughs> rub is even more intensive in the fact that this is a three-dimensional game and that's why the cardboard bits are kind of thick and chunky because what you're going to be doing is overlaying these triangle hexagon clusters onto things you've already made and at the start of the game the center of your city is going to have a bunch of kind of crap rubbly spaces on it they're blank gray ones that don't do anything and that's because the point is you're going to be trying to overlay go on top of them and a lot of the things that you're going to be choosing each round as you take it in turns to pick a new one to take and place into your little uh, constructed city will have these gray ones on as well and then the game is effectively trying to play three-dimensional triangular barren park in your head to be like well i'm gonna put that there but then i'm gonna cover up those two with this and the advantage of going higher is that for every level up that the colored spaces are when you're scoring them they're worth more points so like something on the yeah. third level is worth three points so it's a case of how can i achieve the best like coverage of these things and the best system whilst also making things as high as i can as quickly as i can and i thought it was going to be a lot trickier than it was there was some really interesting stuff in terms of having resources in terms of whenever you cover up one of these rubble spaces you get to take a little bit of stone which were just these little uh, little wooden cubes that you would then spend to do things and mostly you would spend those you'd have to get rid of them to dive deeper into the queue of pieces that you can draft so when it goes round, it's like which of these five things or so am i going to be taking but the one at the end is free but then if you want the one two along it costs a cube two cubes three cubes and so yep. on so it was a case yep. of just and i actually think that that was part of the reason that i really got on with this game because i worried it was going to be more complicated than it was because i had a bit of a mental breakdown whilst playing trying to play number seven once at uk games expo where i just had to <laughs> i just had to step away from the table and scream because it was making my brain hurt but i think the fact that in this like you've always got this one choice which is just like just take this for free meant that the decision of paying quite a lot to get something further down the line felt like a kind of I didn't have an issue with analysis paralysis that I thought I was going to.
Yeah, yeah. There's something really juicy about that little... Like, I think there's something very tactile and fuzzy and enjoyable about the, like, motions of this game, about building this very satisfying, chunky, cardboard acropolis that kind of raises up off the table just a little bit that's really nice. But I think that I'd like that, and I'd go, oh, yeah, it's a nice game, but what really elevates this game into, like, one of, like, my favorite abstract games mm. at the moment is that it has this very visible strategic layer when you're playing with two or three or even four people, but it's it's much more clear in the oh, two-player yeah. game where that, that very simple drafting of those four tiles in a two-player game that pop up each turn is just, it's really quite electric because you can always see exactly how many cubes the other player has and you know exactly how far into the market they can mm -hmm. possibly buy at any given time. And you can see across the table because of how poppy and vivid those colors are you can see exactly what that other player wants and you can take it from them like uh, at a moment's notice yeah there's something really lovely I mean, about the fact it's that, horrible when um, you can do that and you can be like oh they want that but they can't afford yeah. that now so i don't have to pay for it now i can just take this one <laughs> exactly. and then next turn they won't be able to afford it and then i'll just take it for like not much or free for less or free yeah, and then exactly. the great thing is as well is it's not even like usually you'd be like oh but you know if you, if you do that if you spike draft then you're not going to do well yourself because that's not true in this you just take something that they want whack it somewhere and then just build over it later just be like, oh, just knock it over and turn <laughs> it into a condo it's fine yeah there's um when i was playing this uh most recent i think i played it with quins and he was he had a bunch of uh, green garden tiles that were nice and elevated uh in the game mm -hmm. and for the whole game, he was lacking the little <laughs> plaza that gives you the the stars to then yeah. score all of those green tiles. And I built that plaza and then put something directly <laughs> over the top of it in a way that I'm sure he found very annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mean. It is. And it's great. It is. I, that I, is I really, mean. really like this game. It's, it's quite hard because it is so dry and so abstract that it's really hard to get across how this thing pops. But I do think it's just, it's just a product of of how simple it is it just feels so immediate and so easy to understand why it's great so quickly when you just sit down and play it i really um, do feel like it is i mean i've mentioned it twice but i do feel like it is it's like it has so much of the dna of king domino which or king, Do <laughs> king dominos i apologize right my leash uh which is a game that i think is great it's a very simple game Isn't it got king dominoes king dominos it is King Domino's. Oh. I'm just being silly. I'm sorry, Tom. Oh, you're just being silly and quirky. Sorry. The I, thing you'll I, get to know about me after you spend a little bit of time with me is, is, is you're a be, wacky dude. I can be quite silly sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> you won't want me to be silly, but unfortunately I'm still silly. You don't like me when I'm oh, silly. Somebody call HR. <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, I feel like it really is not a, a fun extrapolation of that design in, in a way that you go, okay, well, how do we make this game, which is solid, mm. like a, a bit more thinky, a bit more tactical? And then it's like, well, first of all, it's 3D. You can overlap other things. And already it's like, whoa, well, that's, that's a game changer. And then it's like, right, yeah? And now instead of it just being a domino with two different things, we're adding a third one. It's a tr <laughs> tronomo. It's, it's now a triple domino. And that's basically what it is. Um, and yeah. I feel like the the balance of the difficulty and the complexity is just right. Because I, I, when we start doing it, I thought, oh no, this is going to make my brain like hurt. And mm. it didn't. And I feel like that is just it's very well measured. If those pieces were like squares with four things on that you could rotate any direction and layer up, I feel like 
it would have melted me. It's just yeah. balanced enough. And even actually at the end of the game, I was worried it was going to be one of those ones where we're scoring it. Particularly, it's like, well, this is worth one, this is worth three, and then we have to multiply all. I thought it was going to be a real headache, but it was fine. Um, it's just counting. It's just, just like villagers, you just counted coins. Basic counting. You just count tiles. You do. Yeah. You do. I liked I it a lot. Say, I liked it a lot. And I mean, I'll I give it this. Like, it's an abstract game that we talked about for about eight minutes, which is more than we've really usually <laughs> managed ever. Um, Do you want to hear my one big criticism of this game, though, Matt? My big, my big slam dunk, yeah. you know, my mid-review turnaround on Acropolis. Sure. It has the worst cover ever. <laughs> oh, it can't be better, worse Tax than like sound ink and gold. Or it, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's more that it's like, it's a dry abstract game and the cover is just like, it, it just looks like any game ever. It's, uh, you would not pick this. If you was, if a bunch of games were put in front of you, you would not choose this as the game that you're going to play. I um, would if I'd listened to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast or an, any other kind of <laughs> That sounded like podcast. a plug for the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast have, while you have were you listened doing to the Shut Up and Sit Down, the Down podcast. Sit Down podcast. <laughs> It's great. Why Check not listen to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast? We should I mean, put, we, we, yeah, we should do that kind of like um, podcast network thing where we have we interrupt our own podcast, have like a series of adverts for our podcast in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that will really amplify our reach. Should we do that now? Yeah, sure. Do you like board games? Do you like having fun? Do you like wacky English people talking about board games on a podcast? Well, I sure know one of them, Matt. And I know the other people. It's the Shut Up and Sit Down Board Game Podcast. It's just fun people talking about board games every week. Give us a listen on the internet. Lastly, on this podcast, we're going to very briefly talk about our video review of Dawik. Bum, video bum, review bum, 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 bum. of the week. Yeah, Jingle. What's, what's our favorite yeah. video review of this week that we've made? <laughs> That's right. It's the one we made. Um. <laughs> I, feel, I thought you were going to then launch into another ad. That's right. It's the Shut Up and Sit Down YouTube channel. We have multiple no, wacky we can't, people. We can't have an advert for the Shut Up and Sit Down YouTube channel on a podcast. That makes too much sense. We're not That's, doing it. Nah, it's legitimate. So, Matt, what's your favorite video review of the week? I think the f- my favorite video review that we've made this week is the review that we made for Shut, uh, for Shut Up and Sit Down Reviews uh, Rush Out, which <laughs> is a real-time dice game that, get yep. this, it's asymmetric. How does that work? No Tom? way. How does that work? It basically involves me being a bad, a bad wizard, wizard, a bad wizard for a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed being a bad wizard in this week's video review. Like, I had a fun I time. Think I think you think... were born for it. I couldn't I believe think I it. tapped into something that yeah. I I previously didn't have access to. I felt like I'm a new man. I loved it. I thought it was it was fabulous. I was like, I hope Tom's willing to dress up like a bad wizard for this video. And then yeah. sure enough, he was. But I didn't expect him to embrace the role in the way that he did. I feel like we're yeah. going to lose you to the panto circuit. Um, yeah. And I'm fine with that. I did so much bad stuff in Matt's house mm-hmm. when he wasn't looking yeah. in character as a bad wizard. I urinated all over the floor. Yeah, he really Daniel day lewis it. But rather than um, doing the thing of like preparing for the role by doing it before the role started, it was just in between takes. He just, uh, yeah. just go and do awful things. Uh, basically, Rush Out is a real-time dice game. You get to roll dice very, very, very quickly to fill little kind of adventuring recipes on cards. Mm. You roll a bunch of swords. You get to finish the card that needs a load of swords. Get through your deck really, really quickly, and you win the game. 
but there's a bad wizard and every time the bad wizard finishes a card as well as getting them closer to winning the game they also add a bad thing probably into your deck mm -hmm. or they make you not able to do a certain thing or most infuriatingly of all ping one or all of your dice from a card in progress yeah which is mean it's nasty it's brutal yeah and it's really good fun it's really fabulous it's just a game of trying desperately to work together to do quite a simple task of just rolling three dice over and over again until you get the results that you need whilst frantically shouting at other people and saying, please, I need feet. I need fire. Help. <laughs> uh, and then the wizard just does bad things, makes a dragon sit on your card so you can't remove it. Uh, gives you a card that means one of your dice is now locked until other players can roll hearts to unlock it. And that means you've only got two yeah. dice to roll, which makes you feel real bad. Um, and yeah, it has a campaign that you can play yeah. through, adding more mechanics modularly as you go, allowing you to just keep making the game more and more complex or keep having variety and then finding the point at which you're like, this is how we like it and just leaving it at that forever. Yeah. A lot of stuff to play around with. I think there's something really telling about the fact there is all of that stuff to play with. But mm -hmm. most of the times we played it, we just were really content playing that core game. Yeah. Because it's just so fun. There's so much to enjoy there in just this frenetic, like continually just rolling dice over and over and over again and shouting at each other and also because this is a roughly uk games expo themed podcast you might remember that we did cover rush out on the podcast a while back but i think that our video review of it was sort of spurned on or resurrected mm. by playing it at the uk games expo uh, and there was this fantastic moment uh, during that game where you all as i was being the wa the bat the wad bizard wad bizard <laughs> the wad bizard as I was being the bad wizard, the bad wizard, you were all willing for me to drop the dice on the floor yeah. and for it to roll under the table and we have to scramble around to well, get it. Specifically, it like, yeah, specifically yes. it's because you were unbeatable as a bad wizard because you were just so good <laughs> and you've got all that like young neuroplasticity and stuff and we were just struggling <laughs> to, to beat you. Um, but the one time where we almost beat you was when one of your dice fell off the floor and rolled under specifically our friend Clark's chair. And then we were joking, saying, yeah. like, the only way we're going to beat the bad wizard if, if, is if one of the dice falls off the table and goes underneath Clark's chair. And then it happened again, which was deeply unlikely. But you know that moment in films where the, the goodies are like, maybe we can do it. That was it. Yes. It was like, it's, that was the moment. Maybe we can beat the wizard. Um, and it's <laughs> one of those games where I didn't mind the fact that we kept losing over and over again. It, it felt fun um, yep. in the fact that even if we beat you, I think we beat you like once out of like seven games. Um, <laughs> and that was fine. That was, that was fun. Everyone was having a lot yep. of fun. And I mean, I also that, like that game might have been the one where you were just continually swearing at me the yes. entire time. Yes, yes, we, we, that we, did work wonders. And I think like that, I think you enjoyed that really, didn't you? The power it gave you, the fact that you were causing all yeah. of us just real misery. At one point, you yeah. started like saying things um, as <laughs> oh, if you yeah. were a player. You kept being like, "We need more feet. We need. I need the key. I need this," and just like basically trying to kind of drown out our chatter with the nanities, which was just really evil. And I respected it. Yeah. I love being evil. It's my new hobby. Uh, I'm going to go and do some evil stuff right now. That seems really fair. You should check out the video review of Rush Out. It's, again, uh, pretty simple, pretty light, but I think a real a real gem of a thing. Uh, and it's got treat. a turtle in it. So have a look at that on the internet. Why not? On the Shut Up and Sit Down YouTube channel. Woo! What a fun place. <laughs> I like that was... Maybe the least impassioned I've heard you about the Shut Up and Sit Down YouTube channel in a long time. Oh, I just hate doing the sponsorship Whee! stuff, you know? I just, it's just it's 
really draining, you know. Yeah. 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 Having to record ad reads for this blimmin' shut up and sit down oh, business. Board, board games. Is Nonsense. Board games. I don't want to play a board game. I don't want to play a board game. Oh, I'm now going to play a board game ever oh. again. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> Lovely.